This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And hello there. Welcome to uh, episode 59 of Talking Devils. Um, unfortunately, I was uh, to be joined by Gordon today, but um, Gordon uh, had uh, some scheduling conflicts at the last minute. So I've had to bring in a substitute. I've had to bring in um, uh, an okay replacement uh, for, for the legend Gordon Hill. But this is in the, a legend in his own right. Uh, Manchester United order Wayne Barton. Wayne, how are you today? Yeah, I'm not bad. Um, I never got to play for United, so being sub for Gordon Hill is a um, pretty good um, substitute for that, I guess. Yeah, well, neither have I, so we have one thing in common. So, <laughs> um, Wayne, want to want to jump right into it. Uh, Manchester United uh, season started yesterday. We had uh, we had a, a really good day, one would say. Um, between the the, the scoreline and Varane being introduced. Uh, uh, similar to uh, Brian Robson in the early 80s, being brought onto the pitch. Nice surprise, but let's start off with the game. Manchester United 5, Leeds 1. Uh, not what one would call a first 11, but yet, you know, we seem to sweep aside everyone's second favourite team from last season, Leeds United, uh, who are a very attack-minded team. Um, and that can come with its pluses and its minuses. And yesterday for them, and fortunately for us, it came with a lot of pluses. For them, it came with a, a heavy defeat. How did you uh, How did you see the game? Let's start off with the selection. Obviously, Sancho um, wasn't in the side. Um, Barane obviously wasn't signed in time. We can talk a little bit about that later on. Uh, what did you do? What? How did you enjoy the game? Where did you watch it? I watched it at home. Been working, obviously, around the clock on, on books. So um, I had to watch it from from home but um it was amazing for the fans to be back that was the biggest takeaway that i got from the game um as for the selection i know that there are a few um, dissenting voices before kickoff um i i never got it to be fair i understood the selection i understood why um i looked at the almost man for man there's only two players that he didn't pick against leeds last season you know it was a sensible team um you got to remember as well um the the reason why we've been playing with two older midfielders for since time began is because we've got a weak central defence. Even with Maguire in top form, and perhaps yesterday Lindelof wouldn't have needed um, a screening midfield. But on on his average performance, that's why we need to play with 
a block of four in that area is because we've got a weak middle. Um, so I, I wasn't concerned. I understood that's what we've signed up for as fans for the last few years. Um, and, you know, I thought it was a good performance. I thought it was an attacking performance. I thought it was an attacking lineup as well. Um, so everything from the start I wasn't concerned with. And, uh, you know, obviously it was upsetting that Varane wasn't cleared in time to play. But, you know, obviously it's not just United's problem that I think it was a home office conflict or something like that with the registration. Um, once it was clear that he wasn't going to play in the game, United did the best thing they could possibly do um, to announce him just before the game. Better than any, you know, how, how amazing is that for the fans who were probably, probably a few of them annoyed that Varane wasn't playing, but they've got something better, I think. That, you know, they've got a Brian Robson moment. You know, how yeah. many of us wish that we'd seen Brian Robson sign on the pitch. So they've got that. And that was just before kickoff. It's like, you know, when you, your parents on Christmas morning, when they give you all the presents and you think, oh, I've got them all. And then they come with the last one, the big one. The big one after you have your dinner. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that, well, this was before the dinner, before the main course. <laughs> so Varane came out and that was brilliant. Um, and then the football began and the performance, I was really, really, really pleased with it. I thought um, it was the best version of United. Um, I've been critical of Pogba by far his best game for the club. He was outstanding, unbelievable. Um, the only problem is that he played on the left and was so heavy in that position that you wonder where you know you want to dream that he can play in that um, kind of vein of form deeper in the pitch. I don't think he can, um, but he was outstanding. And when he plays like that, then you think, well, keep him there because he's that good. Um, and then you know let the other problems solve themselves out. Um, it was so good. Uh, Fernandez as well had one of his best games, but Pogba edged it for me. Um, I did the, obviously I did the match ratings for the website and I think I was probably a little generous with Dan, Dan James, but I thought he played all right. So mm -hmm. you're not going to get anything spectacular from him, but he did the hard work. He did a lot of running about to make the Leeds defenders work. I think Fernandez and Pogba uh, benefited massively from the fact that Calvin Phillips was on the bench. Did a lot of freedom. I think Phillips played pretty much suffocated Fernandez at Ellen Road. So yeah. I think that was right. Um, it might not have been him, but they had a, a man on Fernandez, and I'm pretty sure it was Phillips. Um, but they benefited from that freedom and they ran riot. We should have scored a couple of goals before we scored. Uh, Pogba had that great chance. Greenwood possibly came a little bit too early for him in the game. But after that, very clinical. Uh, the finishing was outstanding. Um, Greenwood's finish to put us back in front was so cool. Fernandez, we know what he can do. Um, just it couldn't have gone any better, could it? Well, a, a, a lot to chew over there. I want to I want to get right back to the Pogba situation. Um, you mentioned that that that's his best game and since he signed for United. You know, re-signed for United, and, and I got to agree with that. We have seen we have seen games like that very similar in the past. Not not at the level he played at yesterday, but but pretty close. Um, and then he'll disappear for four or five games, you know, um, and he's sometimes even longer. It, it's, it's the hope that kills you with Pogba. It really is. And we've been hoping for, you know, five or six years now for them to come good. Um, I've been critical of Pogba in the past and, and I believe rightly so. Um, you know, he's, he's deemed as a world-class player. Yesterday was a world-class performance. Taking aside the transfer fee that we paid for him because, you know, he, we can't really control that, and the player can't control that. Um, it's it's a selling club that controls it. 
we definitely do expect more from Pogba. I know we all know that. Is this another false dawn, or are we? Are we? You know, like I said, it's a hope that kills you with Pogba. You know, he could he could go out against Southampton next week and completely disappear. Yeah, no, it's a fair comment. Um, I'm, you know, that I've said for the last couple of years, especially with Pogba, Martial as well, and a couple of other players, that if like if you want to give him a new contract, you want to invest in the future with these players. Look at the last two or three years, and you're probably going to get a repeat of that on a consistent basis. Um, and that's where I am with Pogba. However, I just don't understand um, his increase in form lately because, I, look, let's get this right. Pogba's immensely talented. He's possibly the most gifted player that we've got at the club in terms of natural ability. Um, he's had every opportunity in every role that could be favourable for him. He's got no excuses, none at all. Um, left fewer excuses on the fact that Fernandez came in and elevated the team. And he didn't, you know, all right, Fernandez played in the number 10, which is every attacking player's dream role, but he, he did it and he elevated the team in a way that Pogba hasn't been able to do it. Pogba elevates himself and it helps United get, get results, but he doesn't elevate the players around him. He doesn't make it better. However, you could say that Fernandez arriving provided the platform for Pogba to elevate himself. You know, some, you can't expect every player to do it by themselves. And, when Fernandez has been in the team, by and large, Pogba's played well. But we've seen it progressively. It's more well on that left-hand side. And yeah. that's the concern for me. The only concern, really, because he's, you know, look, the form that he had when he came in the scene, the, the side after winter, you know, he, and he was outstanding then for like, so like three or four weeks. He was brilliant. And you're thinking, again, do we build this team around Pogba because he's that good and he's that influential and we play better. Um, we play like we did yesterday when he's, when he's really on song, but yeah, it is that it's a massive gamble no matter what, because where he is now is um, a player who's got less than a year on his contract. His value as an asset is dwindling because United have only got a couple of weeks in which they can sell him. And realistically, that's not going to happen. So what do they do? Do they throw more money after him? Um, it's a it's a big conundrum for United, and it's not one that I'm going to come out and say that I know the answer for. Previously, I've said Pogba's worth more as an asset to United when when you can sell him or perhaps use him as a makeweight. That's not the case anymore. So what do we do with him? I don't know. But when he plays like he did yesterday, you're tempted to say give him what he wants. But then again, you're running the risk of saying, well, you are going to get four years of the last four years. Do you know what I mean? You're going to get the same. Very, very difficult, but I'm a big fan of him when he's as good as he is yesterday. Uh, you know, and I know that's a, a stupid thing to say, but I'm not a big fan of him when he labours through games and loses. I can remember a game against Cardiff. It was a, I'm pretty sure it was Cardiff, the last game of the season a couple of years ago. Yeah. He was losing possession all over the place, gets sent off, I think, for or nearly gets sent off. He was so ridiculous. And then just like you just thinking at that point, he could go and nobody would care. And then he plays like he did yesterday and you just think, oh, my God. There's a connection, but you don't normally feel with him. And he comes and goes, and, and right now he's very strong. And you think you're tempted again. It's a massive conundrum for Ollie. Ollie loves him, by the way. Ollie, if Ollie had his way, Pogba's staying. But will he get his way? I mean, this, this is the big thing. And, and if he gets his way and he does stay, where does he play when everyone's fit? It's just a, a big conundrum because you know, then, and we've had this conversation many times, Dave. Well, the, the onus thing is on Pogba because he's a 
27-28, experienced international player, World Cup winner, winner of many trophies. He has to, you know, you can't just say, oh, he can only play one position. He's got to take the responsibility to play in different positions. And he's good enough to do it. He's good, he's good enough to control the play from deep in midfield. That's what we need. That's what we need a player to do that. People talk about Ruben Neves coming in or another player like Kamavinga to sort of do that. Pogba's got the skill set to do it. Let's stop ridiculing him and saying that he doesn't and he can only play in one position. He's got the talent. We've got a lot of talent. And he can't just play on the... I don't think he can play on the left all the time because United have got other players in that area. Um, I just don't know. It's, it's, it's a massive, long, complicated thing, Devo. And I'm trying to give you like a succinct answer. I can't do it because it's such a, a complex um, problem for Ollie. Well, I, I mean, I've got a, I've got a simple answer. I'd sell him. I'd sell him as soon as I can. Um, but who you know, that's the thing. Who are you going to sell him to now? Well, I think at this moment in time, we, if, if you're going to get, if you're going to get nothing from, from him for next summer, you might as well just sell him to anyone at this, at this rate for any cost. I, you know, yesterday my mind was made up long before yesterday. Yesterday is to me. I think it's it, we're going to have another season of Pogba wanting to play and not wanting to play. I think we need to move on from Paul Pogba. Now, that said, if you know what I think that, you know, selling him for 40, minute, 40 million is worth the risk of just keeping him for the whole season and hoping getting a performance and winning a trophy or getting him to sign a new deal, well, Godspeed to them. But me, I think I think the Paul Pogba debate is over for me, even though he had a fantastic game yesterday. I'll always say when he's had a good game, but... It, for me, it's done. He's, he's had too many chances to prove that he's world class. I don't believe that he's world class at this moment in time. He's he's not the same Paul Pogba that plays for France, and then people will tell you that. Well, he's got better players around him. That that is nonsense. You know, Bruno Fernandez came in, and he had he had lesser players around him at the time, and and performed at world class levels every single week. Um, and you know, for me, it's a it's a no. I'd, I'd move Paul Pogba. We need to move on from Paul Pogba. We really do. Um, can I just interject, Devo? Nipun's put a great comment in the comments. I don't know if you can flag that on the screen. He says, in all seriousness, Pogba has played in the deeper position as recently as um, Project Restart. Now, this is a thing um, which, you know, obviously that's true, and he has done. Now, this is a counterproduct of, let, let's say that we sign, well, we've signed Ran. Let's say that he necessitates a formation change or at least. Um, an ethos change. You don't always have to protect the back line. And don't get me wrong, Lindelof was outstanding yesterday and his pass for yeah, um, the goal was brilliant. Um, but that's the kind of game that's made for Lindelof. You know, he can make a mistake in it, but he's allowed to sort of come forward with the ball and he's, there's no real pressure on him. Whereas you've seen lesser clubs put pressure on him and he's and he's crumbled. Yesterday he was fine. He, he, could, he could play fine um, and, and not be under any real pressure. What Varane ostensibly brings us is the platform to not have to play two defensive midfielders, which yeah. means you could play a McTominay and a Pogba, and Pogba can run right from that position without having to be worried that every loss of position... Like we, there was a game at the back at back end of last season, I'm pretty sure, where Pogba lost, and it might even have been the, the year earlier, all lockdown football blended into one for me with without the fans, but there was a game where we, we messed about from the back. Pogba messed about on the edge of the box, lost possession, then Lindelof sort of faffed about and we conceded a goal from it. And it might have been Southampton the season before last, right at the back end, and we conceded a lot of silly goals like that. 
Varane probably eliminates that. Hopefully, Touchwood eliminates that kind of problem. So Pogba might be able to play from deep without having to be worried about losing possession because McTominay, the, the biggest question mark in that entire thing is obviously then you want to get a, a specialist holding midfield who allows Pogba to do what he needs to do. But we've got McTominay and Fred and we've got Matic. The likelihood is one of those guys is going to play. What you want is McTominay to spend a lot of time with Matt, Matic and Darren Fletcher and sort of say, can you yeah. please try and develop the positional defensive discipline because it will make you a more valuable player and it will free Pogba to do um, all kinds of damage from that role. It would make McTominay a miles better player and it could save United a ton of money in the process. And he's got a better Mac- skill set to do that than Fred. I thought McTominay yesterday was absolutely outstanding. I think he um I think he didn't get the plaudits that he deserved because it was obviously, you know, Fernandez with the hat trick and Pogba with the four assists. But uh, I, I I felt we lost control of that game when McTominay went off. You know, Leeds started to get more of the ball, more possession, they started to come forward more. I think McTominay is is probably the most underrated player we have at Manchester United right now. Um he, you know, no one's saying that he's world class. Um, but he does a really, really good job. And I think you hit the nail on the head with his defensive duties, you know, spending more time with with, with Fletcher and Maddich and people like that. They go, hey, I want to improve that side. I think he has a position there that he could take. I'm not a big fan of Fred. I think he tries his best, but I just I just don't I just don't get it. I don't get it. Um, I do fully understand why he plays the two of them um, with Lindelof in the team. Um but I can see, you know, I can see one of them getting pushed out now that Varane comes in and, you know, we can we can actually make that change. But for me, I think McTominay went uh, under the radar, yes, in regard to Plaudis. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um, one other player that, you know, obviously got all the plaudits was uh, Bruno Fernandes. Um, I mean, w- w- what else can we say about that guy? You know, a hat-trick on the opening day against Leeds. You know, in front of our fans for the first time in you know a long time. Uh, I mean, it couldn't have went any better for Fernandez, could it? I mean, his his hat trick was sublime. I mean, that that the one into the roof of the net was just an absolute peach from from start to finish. From the from the pass, I think it was by Lindelof as well, wasn't it? Was it was it him that gave him the pass? I think so. Um, I, I don't want to spend too much time on Bruno Fernandez because we I think we we've talked so much about that guy. But that said, first hat trick. Um, in an opening day since 1977, um, Gordon Hill actually scored on that same day as well. Unfortunately, we don't have Gordon on today, so he could he could big himself up about that one. Um, so Bruno Fernandez, in brief, can he get any better? Yeah, he can because there were moments in the back end of last season where you get frustrated that you get marked out of games because he was obviously United's big presence, and a lot of teams paid him attention. What really helps Fernandez is the movement of clever players around him because it gives Fernandez more space to cause damage. Like you know, Greenwood yesterday's movement was magnificent, and that's what actually helps create space for Fernandez to run through. Um, for for his first and his trick goal, you know, he, he was all over the place and really helped Fernandez. So yeah, Fernandez can improve as the other players improve around him. Um, he is brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't think we've seen the best of him. Um, I still, there's a little part of me, I don't want to sound like I'm being negative on him, but I do, I don't think he's Cantona-esque in that he elevates other players around him in the same way he does, 
he does do it, but not to the extent that Cantona does. I don't think it does him any favours to labour that comparison on him. But in the great tradition of Manchester United, you've never had one player replace another in a direct fashion. Yeah. And Fernandez is his own player. Um, he's on his way to becoming a legend at United. And I say that, you know, it's not an easy thing to come out and say, you know, I'm generally kind of cautious with that kind of thing. But this kind of form, um, the way that he's been since he came to the club and the way that he looked yesterday, he's, he's well on his way to becoming a legend for me. One of our viewers, uh, uh, Stephen Carr, says that he believes that Pogba's going to stay. Um, and he makes a good he makes a good point. He's, you know, he says he's more engaging on and off the pitch these days. I mean, that is a very valid point. Is, is that the sign of a player that's a lower five, six years down the line of him coming back? You know, is that the sign of a player that that wants to stay, where he becomes more engaging on and off the pitch? He seems to. I I, I believe that the worst season we had with Pogba for me, even though it was a successful season, uh, you know, in regard to trophies, was when we had the likes of Lukaku in the team. There seemed to be a. Um, to me, he just didn't seem to take his job serious. I think him and Lukaku just clicked, and they were in the dressing room and off the pitch. They just seemed completely disengaged with the with the club itself and the fans. I mean, that is it is a good point by Stephen saying that you know Pogba just seems to be he seems to be taking his role a lot more serious. And uh, this past you know this past couple of months, would you would you buy into that? I don't know. I don't know because I think. Until we know what's happening, it's all part of the game for the yeah. contract negotiation, right? So we don't know that. What I will say is I, I sort of agree with how it looks. And if he does sign the new contract, that's the commitment, isn't it? So you don't yeah. forget the speculation. That's his commitment for the next few years um, until you know United are holding him. United will be holding all the cards then and they can sort of dictate what's happening with him. And if they decide to sell him, then, then fair enough. But um, if he signs a contract, you can't question that commitment, as many have done for years. Because like, let's be um, frank about this. Since he signed, he hasn't signed an extension, right? He signed five years. So we've been waiting for five years for this moment, basically. And, yeah. you know, I get what you're saying. There was a couple of years in there, 18-month spell, where uh, probably it does coincide with Lukaku being there. Uh, for whatever reason, whether if it, you know it is coincidental, but there was a lot of um, concern about that. But yeah, it does look, you know, like I said earlier, I'm pretty sure, certain from what I've heard that Ollie loves him and he wants him to stay. They've put you know everything in place for him to stay if he wants to, um, and Ollie wants him to. Um, and it does look like Stephen says that he's engaging with the club, but we've been down this road before. Um, speculation about a new contract it's never been signed yet we'll see we'll see how it goes um, I, I I think that Paris will probably offer a big carrot for him um, yeah. you know the, the reputation of getting the plays on free is slightly concerning um, and concerning not in the Pogba situation but concerning for football the way that they're doing that I think it's a massive exploitation of an already um big advantage that they've got and i think that's you know it should be troubling for anyone um yeah, I, think, football, I think four of the five so uh, signings this season major signings were were free transfers and then you know messi was you know came with that ridiculous contract um it is concerning i mean if if, if you 
if you look at the players that they sign and you put a market valuation on them, you know, if they had to go and buy them in contract, you know, we, we'd be talking, you know, three, four hundred million before you even talk about Messi. You know, we yeah. really can. It's, it, it is concerning, you know, that, that they can do this. It is concerning that, you know, the financial fair play doesn't seem to matter to clubs like them and Manchester City. Uh, but, you know, reading reports from UEFA over the past week, they're, they're going to make changes to that. But I don't know what changes... I don't know. I don't know what changes they can make. I really don't. Um, I want to. I want to move on to uh, one of the one of the stats that's out there at the moment is that you know between Mourinho or between Moyes and Mourinho, we've only scored five goals five times between Mourinho, Van Hall, David Moyes. Ollie has done this ten times now after yesterday's game, but yet we still have a sizable chunk of supporters that you know, deem that the team is not attack-minded enough, that you were seeing yesterday from the minute the team was announced, people were like, oh my God, why is he playing this guy? Why are we doing that? This is ridiculous. God is not what he's doing. And then we bang in five. Um, pretty impressive that Ollie has done this 10 times versus, you know, three managers that have done a five between them. What's your um, what's your view on on Ollie's style? You know, given that, you know, that statistic yeah, thrown in there that, that we have, that we do score a lot of goals you know, a lot of times. Um, like I said, yesterday was number 10 of, of, of five goals in a game. Yeah. Um, well, you and I have sat through many, many boring games. Um, some of them under Ollie, by the way, and there's been a couple of those occasions, famously Newcastle a couple of years yeah. back where we watched just lose 1-0 and, and we're thinking both saying to each other, he can't survive this, and he did. He did survive it, and um, I, I'd say overall, overall, we've played the best football by a considerable distance at any point since Fergie retired. And I think and you and so I, we, we spoke about that last. Sorry, we spoke about that last year. We're like, you know, it's been a long time coming, but we are actually starting to enjoy watching United now. You know, it's, yeah, it's instead of dreading, instead of dreading it. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's a tough slog getting up at four a.m. in the morning. Uh, to watch United here from California, and you know, then you you know, the only thing it does help with is is getting back to sleep. But you know, these days uh, I'm excited to watch United again. I think there's a lift around the club, especially in the last six to eight months. There really is. I think the signings that that Oli has brought in has been, you know, very well thought out. Um, we seem to be buying players these days that want to play for the club and not just come for the salary. Uh, Sancho could have went anywhere. Verani could have went anywhere. Bruno Fernandes, crazily enough, didn't have a lot of options, but he could have held out, you know. Um, but we are seeing, we do seem to be buying players. We convinced Cavani to stay for another year. He was, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, he was, from what I read, he was dead set on going. He was dead set on leaving. He wanted to go back. Um, and we've had a few comments, you know, about why it's why he's been allowed five to six weeks off, you know. But my understanding is that that's the deal that Ollie made with him because Cavani's biggest, you know, issue with signing a new contract at United was he wanted to go back to Uruguay. He wanted to go back home to his family. He hadn't seen him in so long. My understanding was that Ollie said, you know, I'll give you five, six weeks off in the summer. You can do whatever you want. You can come back late. You'll miss, you know, the first game or two of the season. I mean, 
that's that's what man management nowadays is all about. Players nowadays are very very different than 20 years ago. You know, they need to be man managed like this. And I think I think Ollie has done a fantastic job with Cavani. First of all, to convince him to stay for another year because. Like I said, he was gone. He was out of here. He had he had a deal lined up back home. Ollie convinced him to stay. Ollie's convinced Sancho to come to Manchester United. He's convinced Varane to come to Manchester United. And he could have went anywhere. Like I said, he could have took the money at PSG. He easily could have. But he came to Manchester United. Um, so it, it is exciting times for us. It really is. Um, and no matter how much, uh, uh, you know, uh, one of our, former uh, presenters in the pool and champions for Fellaini and he is today it's just not going to happen I mean we got to move past him um, even if we sell Pogba um, so Fellaini, with that said way, Fellaini's representative of that period of yes. football isn't it unfortunately he is the Joe Jordan of this generation you look at him yeah. and say unfortunately he's representative of the changing style um, it all started from Van Gaal um he brought in all these players. I mean, he wasn't completely to blame for the massive transition of his first summer because a lot of players were yeah. one of the new challenge, but we lost so much experience. I think where I've written about it, I've calculated it, um, 3,000 games of experience we lost that first summer, and we replaced them with very little Premier League experience. I think Luke yeah. Shaw had a handful of games in it. with Rojo, Blind, um, and Di Maria and Falcao and, and players like that. So... And the, the ethos changed. You know, we've, we've talked about this and we've, you know, we've had conversations with Rafa. Um, we've talked about, you know, the biggest change was Van Gaal was telling everyone to take more than one touch on the football. Um, it eliminated instinct. And Mourinho's along that lines. He didn't want instincts in football. He never has. He wants to be able to control everything. And they did. That's what they did. They controlled it. And it was terrible. For four years, yeah. the worst football we've seen at United. And I'll say that. As someone who liked Van Gaal as a, a player, uh, sorry, as a coach and as a character, I say that as someone who wanted Mourinho to come in. At both points, when he, he should have succeeded Fergie um, for, for a myriad of reasons, and when he came in, I supported him at those moments, right? So that, that's so it. We, and, I, and that was that. I, I was one who said, <laughs> well, we had the conversations. Uh, all, all all points through that, I was I was still supporting the managers when they're in the job. That's what I do. That's the way that I am with that. Yeah. But the football was terrible for four years. It's the worst we've ever seen. Um, some supporters old enough, unfortunate enough to have witnessed the Sexton era might say that that was as bad. But I know I know a few of those supporters, and they said that the, those four years under Van Gaal and Mourinho were worse. The football under Solskjaer has been better. Even if we do, can't remember the Sexton era, it's been the best that it's been at any point since 2014 <clears throat> by a considerable distance. That's not yeah. just... Re it's reflected in the goals, yeah, sure. The, that's the proof in the pudding. But the football, watching United play again, it looks like United. You know, Solskjaer's not perfect. He's absolutely not perfect. He makes a lot of... He's made some tactical mistakes. I actually felt, funnily enough, that in his first few months... Solskjaer was tactically better than what he has been as he's grown more trusting of the players. He sort of like said, oh, I'll give you a chance. But when he's done that, Dave, it's all right. We can be critical in the Europa League final. He didn't bring players off or he didn't make the changes he needed to make. But now we've seen over the last two or three years, 
the the benefit of that patience as well. We've seen that it yeah. helps Lindelof settle. I, Lind, I'm never Lindelof's biggest fan, but he, he stick by him and it made a consistent back line. Luke Shaw, an obvious example. Cavani, that you've just gone to, you gave a great example about social man management. Without that, he needs to give faith for all the benefits to happen. And yeah, all right. So sometimes we're a bit concerned that he, he makes changes a little bit too late and he might need to be a little bit more ruthless. That will come. That will come. He'll have to do it. He'll learn that he has to do it. If, if his neck's on the line, he's going to have to be ruthless with that, with some players. And he hasn't, he hasn't necessarily been, apart from the first summer where Sanchez and Lukaku went. So, yeah, it's not perfect, but I think we all know that he's learning on the job. Um, and I say that any manager at United is learning on the job. Mourinho was learning, well, you know, like putting three fingers up at a press conference. And he was the man who controlled the media. And yeah. they were laughing at him. They were laughing at him. You know, you're learning on the job all the time at United. The only person who, the only two people who, or three people who didn't, Matt Busby, Tommy Docker, and Alex Ferguson. They had, you know, even Atkinson was learning to sort of, he had to grow into being a Man United manager. Van Gaal yeah. had to, he, did, he had no idea. But he didn't understand why the press were asking the same questions every week. You have to learn to become a Manchester United manager. Solskjaer's no different. Um, and I do have concerns over him. But what we've seen is the best football by a distance. And people go, oh, you, you're only backing him because he's a club legend. No, but it means more because he is. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, exactly. It does. obviously it does. And if it doesn't, you're supporting the wrong club. I'm not one who's going to tell people how to support. You know, everyone can support the club how they want to do. But if you don't like United playing better football more because Ollie's the manager, where's your head at? I don't understand. I, I, and it was so good. That's why yesterday was so good, Dave, because you've heard all this noise on, on social media for a year and a half while the crowds haven't been in, and they, they've given the impression that the fans don't like him. Not yesterday. Oh, yesterday there was no argument. There was no, no argument one. inside that ground. And it, and, it, and, it, and it presents the perspective of who's the isolated community, who the isolated voices are, who the people are who, who shouldn't be giving it um, the big mouth really they should just be supporting him for what he's doing because United moving in the right direction and you know like I said earlier not perfect but brilliant brilliant yesterday and definitely moving in the right direction sorry but no no, no I don't no, get to no. do this one on the pod with Paul Parker every morning I don't get to voice um, in the same way I have to be a bit more restrained so I'm letting, letting myself off the leash on a Sunday evening no I'm, I'm trying to find a mute button but it doesn't seem to be one. anyway <laughs> <laughs> um so we got a couple of weeks left um, until the transfer window closes. I, I don't believe that we're going to bring in any more players I don't, unless something, you know, as Ollie says, something, you know, pops up at the last minute. I want to briefly talk about our outgoings. And um, we know we've had problems with a lot of our outgoings because of the, you know, the salary that they're on. But the one thing I wanted to talk about that, you know, I brought up a few times online is that my own is that we, we need to either sell David De Gea, or we need to sell Dean Henderson. And just hear me out on that for a second. There's there's too much of a shadow over our first team, uh, or our first uh, uh, number one uh, position. There really is. When when De Gea is in goal, not only does he have the pressure of Manchester playing for Manchester United, he also has the pressure of Dean Henderson hanging over him. Um, and vice versa. When Henderson's in goal, I believe he has the shadow of, of David De Gea. I don't think it's doing 
us any good whatsoever to have those two players. It really isn't. I think we need to make a decision on who's going to be our number one, and I believe we need to sell the other person um, because I think Tom Heaton is a, is a capable backup. Um, I mean, how often do you need, you know, your backup goalkeeper to pay, you know, 10, 15 games in the season? You really don't. So for me, um, I would I would sell David De Gea, and, and here's the reason why. Um, I think Dean Henderson has a huge future in the game. He's, you know, obviously a lot younger. Um, he'll make mistakes like De Gea did when he came into the team. First, you know, back in, uh, was it 2011, I believe? Um, he made a lot of mistakes. Um, and I think we need to get Dean Henderson into the team now to kind of, I'm not saying so he can make those mistakes, but so he can get over the minor setbacks that he's going to have as a young goalkeeper. Um, so for me, I just think this, and, and this just just doesn't happen with players. We all know what happens with managers. You know, when Sir Matt, when Sir Matt um, uh, retired and Wolf McGuinness took over, there was that shadow. Um, I, I, I believe that David Moyes had a really tough time with, with Fergie still around at the club. I believe it affected uh, Van Hall as well. I don't believe it affected Mourinho. I think Mourinho tried on it, you know, to say, well, I'm the boss around here, you know, and you're not anymore. I think Mourinho actually liked having him around. Um, but I do believe, you know, in, in our goalkeeper situation, it's, it's not healthy at all. It really, really isn't. It's not healthy at all. I, I do believe we need to sell one and keep another. And for me, it will be Dean Henderson. Uh, briefly, what's your what's your what's your thoughts on 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 that? You know, breaking news from me. <laughs> breaking news. Um, evening to Scott, who's joined the chat as well. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, again, we I've talked about this on the pod with Paul, and he's of the same mindset as you. But I, I go back to the Pogba situation, and I look at the likelihood of who's going to front up the cash to sign either of them um, and who's going to want them, you know, who's going to be appealing. Because it's not just like, yeah, all right, we want to move one of them on. It makes logical sense. And one of them won't want to move on. But I think a player like De Gea is only going to want a few options. Yeah. He can't go home because Oblak is really good. Um, he's not going to go to Real Madrid because they need money. Um, they need to, you know, they're saving up for Mbappe, which they're not going to get. Not going to go to Paris now. Can't go to Barcelona. Where's he? Get? Is he going to go to Italy? Maybe in Milan. Milan. Maybe, maybe a loan deal to AC Milan with an option to buy. I don't know if Milan have already got a replacement for Donnarumma, though. Um, you know what I mean? I'm, so I'm pretty sure he's one. not better than De Gea, though. You know. Yeah, but if they've just signed it one. They're not going to want to sign another one. It's just it's a massive complication, and and the fact is he's on a lot of money, so he's got two yeah. two factors, and the third one, which is a crucial one, he's not necessarily out of the door at United. It's not necessarily over for him. His peak years have not been and gone yet. Theoretically, for a goalkeeper, he should still have his peak years in front of him. So he's not going to be in a, a frame of mind where he's going to be saying, "I'm going to give it, give everything up." The other thing will be. I think he, he does love United. He stayed at United. He's shown loyalty to United. He likes the oh, profile no, no, no. of being I'm, a Manchester I'm... United player. What I'm, I'm trying to say with that, Davo, is that if you're trying to get him out of the door, it's not going to be straightforward, especially not in a two-week period of time. Unless you make it very clear to him, you're not going to play again. Do you know? And I think it would be best for us all. I don't think that kind of decision is going to be made in two weeks. But I agree. I completely agree with that it should be. And the one goalkeeper is going to be probably quite disgruntled for this season. 
I don't know if that'll work in United's favour. And, you know, I'm looking at it and thinking maybe it will. I don't, I, you, I, hear me out on this one. I he, hear you completely, and I know what you're saying. You need one dif- You need one goalkeeper to be the first choice. Without question, because no team in Premier League history, is, at least as far as I can remember, have ever challenged for a title shifting the goalkeepers about. doesn't happen. So you've got to pick one. United especially need to just pick one because they've had too much defensive um, disorganisation for f- a few years. Now they're finally getting settled. We're finally going to have a four. We need a one who we know behind them. Whether it's Henderson or De Gea, completely agree. I just I can't see a situation where in two weeks' time there'll be a taker for either of those players. And it, it means that the situation is going to be there. The one thing I will say is that I've got faith that Oli will handle it in the right way. It's a hot potato, without question. Play the, One of those players is going to be playing all the cup games and wanting to play a few league games as well. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I'm with you completely. There needs to be a definite number one. If I'm not completely convinced that it's clear cut, I mean, if you asked me to sort of nail down a choice, I'd say, yeah, all right, Henderson, based on the fact that he looks really confident. And we don't know, you know, he could elevate us. Well, we know what we get with the hair. Um, in, increasingly frequent mistakes, if that's fair uh-huh. to say. But he's still capable of brilliance in a way that Anderson isn't. Um, I don't know. It's, it's um, a conundrum. And do you know what? It could well be one of those differences between us not winning the title or not challenging for the title or falling third or fourth behind a Chelsea or a Liverpool. It, it could yeah, be, just, that could be the know- case. The one, the one thing I want to make clear is I, I, I don't think De Gea is, is a bad goalkeeper. I think he's still one of the best in the world. Um, I just think that we now have a problem. I really yeah. do believe it. I think it's going to bite us throughout the season. Um, you need a solid number one. You need to say, you're my number one. You can't pick and choose each, you know, every other week who's going to be. There's no stability there. The only the only thing that I will say is that, you know, with, with Verani coming in, we may be a little bit more commanding in the box. And that's where, you know, David De Gea fails, in my opinion. You know, I think he's a brilliant shot stopper. But I think Dean Henderson commands his box a lot better if we could only if we could only get, you know, a hybrid of both into one goalkeeper. And um, I think Dean Henderson is very, like you said earlier on, very, very confident. He's very confident in crosses and corners. De Gea is a bit of a flapper. We know that he doesn't, he stays on his line. He doesn't like to get mixed in there with, with you know, with centre-backs and, and strikers. That's that's my concern. But then again, you know, with Varane coming in, it, it could be, you know, Lindelof was very hesitant at times last season. Um, you know, there was crosses that came in that he completely missed or he didn't go for. Um, so maybe maybe that will help the head. I don't want to spend too much time on that. It's just I just believe that it it's a great problem to have if 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 it's up the other end of the field, but it's not a great problem to have if if it's in a goalkeeper situation. And the reason I say that is that if if you have two very very good strikers, one sitting on the bench and one on the pitch, the one on the bench is always going to get some game time throughout a game, especially if the one on the pitch isn't doing it and vice versa. You can bring one off the bench each time. You know, it's, we have that situation now where we got Mason Greenwood, who's absolutely on fire at the moment. Can you imagine if, if the Leeds players had looked over yesterday and seen Cavani coming on after going 5-1 down? You know, you're thinking, oh, my God, what's going on here? That's the difference. You know, with a goalkeeper, they rarely get on the pitch once once the team has been selected. So, to me, I think it's, it, is a, it is a problem in the goalkeeper situation that we have that shadow hanging over each one. I think Ollie needs to make a decision who his number one's going to be. Um, yeah. 
and I believe he would have started with Henderson only for the you know Henderson had had COVID and now we're still not over it. Now De Gea has an opportunity to make that. You know, if you're not a win again next week with the Haya and goal, it's very difficult for a manager to change out a winning team, you know, like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I agree. But I will say this as well you, you mentioned some good points there, and um, it's like a world class version of um, Carol and Howard, but the better yeah. version of it. Do you know what I'm, I'm saying? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, because I, I get what you're saying, they, they were equally as good as each other. Yeah, they were good goalkeepers, don't get me wrong. They were good goalkeepers, but yeah. we're talking about... And I still think... I'm not saying... I think we can challenge for a title with Henderson or De Gea, but I think it yeah. has to be consistently one of them. I believe so, too. I, I do. And the chopping and changing won't, won't do either of any good or the team. Um, that's all I really have for, for this week. Um. I want to. Uh, I want to also mention, and uh, maybe you want to give a plug out there for your for your um, uh, movie that's on tonight. Too good to go down on on BT Sports. Oh yeah, um, thanks, Dave. Well, yeah, um, yeah. In a couple of hours, switch over from this. Where if you're watching it on on playback, then turn it off to watch Too Good to Go Down. Um, Eight forty-five p.m. or nine forty-five. Oh God, I should know. Nine forty-five p.m. I think on on BT Sport. Too good to go down. Um, United. The rebirth under Tommy Docker. Uh, it's a good film. I've heard. And your your recent uh, your recent book uh, about the, the Silver Twins. Um, I see is doing really really well on Amazon. I'm getting through it at the moment. Um, it's it's a really refreshing autobiography compared to a lot of other autobiographies. I, I love reading autobiographies, but this is a fun one. It it really is a fun one. Um, you know. It, they're, they're talking like kids and like they're talking like two 16 year olds all the way through it and um i really really enjoyed it and and congratulations on on the success of that book and you know the where can we you know where can we get it where can we where can we buy it from yeah um amazon obviously is the first stop for every every book but i would say if you're anywhere other than the uk uh book depository um they're doing free shipping international and i think Last time I checked the books on a discount there as well. So you're getting it for less than full price and you can get free shipping wherever you are in the world. Um, so that's, you know, we get a lot of requests from places. Obviously, the boys have played in Brazil, France. And you um, you, you realised, uh, you um, you just, you released the George Best book there back in um, April, May as well. Um, I mean, you, you seem to be flat out. I'm still waiting for you to approach me about my uh, autobiography, but, you know, We'll we'll wait and see. I, I believe Napoon is the problem there. You can't get him to agree on um, um, a fee. But um, what's what's next in the in in the Barton uh, uh, book? The, oh, well, well, the Barton book um, vault, I'll call it. Um, working with Sammy Mack at the moment. I think it's been announced. Sammy McElroy. I'm saying it like he's my pal. Sammy McElroy, Manchester United legend. We've played four hundred and seventy odd times for the club, and yeah. Just wow, what a, a, an honor to work with Sammy on a book that's called it's going to be called The Last Busby Babe, which is the great name title, yeah. Um, that you could have for a, a name like that, and you know, loads of different stuff. Duncan Edwards' biography that I've just finished, uh, authorized by his family. Um, there's a lot of uh, new information about that, 
And, you know, this channel, Dave, we're working on this. We're doing a lot of stuff on this. It's going to be exciting as well. Um, so, yeah, um, you know me, always working 25 hours a day. I'm, I'm not so sure about that. Um, but anyway, um, so if, if you are if you are watching this live and you haven't subscribed, hit the old subscribe button. If you're watching it on playback, give us a give us a nice review um, on iTunes as well. Uh, let us know, you know, if there's anything that you want us to discuss in this. In this we're going to make this a weekly uh, uh, podcast. Unfortunately, like I said, Gordon couldn't make it today, but we'll we'll definitely get him back on. Um, I know a lot of people are looking forward to, to Gordon jumping back on again. Um, but I didn't have too bad of a, a you know, a substitute. It's not really the De Gea um, uh, Henderson, uh, the, uh, you know, debate that we just had. But you know, <laughs> maybe it's a, you know, I don't know. Am I being, you know, maybe it's a Jim Layton substitute for De Gea. I was going to say Jim Layton. Yeah, <laughs> I Thanks think we're all thinking it. <laughs> all right, mate. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate the time and. Again, thanks to everyone that that is tuned in, and anyone that's going to listen back, we really appreciate it. And if you haven't subscribed, hit that subscribe button. So, thank you very much. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.